as you get to know me more and more, I like humor and I like laughing at myself above everything. I was about to say, is there anything else that needs to be done? I'm here. Um, oh, thank you, doctor. Thank you. If I may put this down here. Oh, yeah. This morning, we heard, as all the Gospels, you hear me say it every Sunday, it's remarkable that you can dive into the Bible week after week, year after year, month after month, and every single time you go into the Bible, the Lord pulls back the curtain just a hair to let you see something that you didn't see. And he speaks to you so that you can hear something you didn't hear the first time you read it. Today is the famous, the remarkable story from the Gospel of Luke of the resurrection of the widow's son in Nain, N-A-I-N, Nain in Greek. Now, in the whole New Testament, we have three instances in which Jesus raised someone from the dead. You all remember the most famous of those three, which is Saturday of Lazarus. Then we have today's, the, the son, the only son of the widow of Nain. And the third one, let's see who remembers. Bravo. The daughter of Jairus, Iairos, as we know. A little girl about 12 years old who Jesus brought back to life. In that instance, you see the variation again of the three instances. In that case, they tell the Lord, don't worry about it. She already passed away. You don't have to come. Don't bother the teacher. And he says, I will go. In the case of Lazarus, they tell him, Lord, your friend Lazarus is sick. And what does the Lord do? He waits in Bethany another two days, hanging out. And when he gets to close to Bethany, they run out and they say to him, Martha says to him, if you were here, Lord, my brother would not have died. And we know the story because Saturday of Lazarus is a well-known story. The Lord says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, though he or she dies, will live. And then we get to today's story. Now, Nain, Nain, was literally means in Hebrew, the city of aromas, the beautiful smelling, wonderful smelling, aromatic city. They must have had aromatic flowers. I don't know. I wasn't there. But clearly, it's about a kilometer and a half off of the beaten path. So you can imagine now, because the gospel is pretty clear, and I, I wrote it down pur purposefully, it says, Sine porevondo afto i masite aftu i kani ke ochlos polis. Walking with Jesus was his disciples, were his disciples, and a big crowd was following him. Coming out of the aromatic city of Nain, the phrase is very similar. Sinafti. 
She was a widow in, in Hira, και όχλος της πόλεως ικανός αυτή. And there were great crowds from the town following. And think about it. The fact that her son died means that this death was premature. Right? If all of us who have kids, if our kid dies, that's a premature death. The cycle has to go, we the older ones leave, and then our kids leave. So the pain of this mother, having already buried her husband, and the only child she had was this one son that she had, and then he dies. And this huge amount of group of people show up to support this woman in pain, in her suffering. We've had cases similar in our own church here, young people who have left us. When I became a priest here, the first week I was here, we had the death of a 42-year-old young man in a car accident. And more recently, we had the passing of a young woman, a mother of two from cancer. So big crowds showed up. So you have this burial procession, because remember, people weren't buried inside the church excuse me, inside the village. They were buried outside the walls of the city because it was considered ritualistic, unclean, a dead person. You wouldn't touch a dead person in ancient times. You would be violated, made filthy, and you had to go back to the temple, wash yourself, the priest would have to bless you, and then send you off. So think of the scene, my friends, of these two processions, this enormous group of people following Jesus and an enormous group of people weeping and lamenting the death of this poor kid. And something happens. The two processions meet. Now, was it by chance, happenstance, that Jesus happened to be walking by that city at the exact time that this poor child had passed? and that the funeral was coming out of the city, which you say was just coincidence? Is anything our Lord does coincidental? Absolutely not. So he's bringing a big crowd with him to witness something unbelievable. And what is it saying? The Lord sees this mother, and it's interesting, it's in the singular. I mean, if we were processing and somebody would pass, maybe all of us would be crying, right? But it doesn't say, all of yous, stop crying. He says, He had compassion, and he said, You, the single mother, you, don't cry. Mi kle is in the Greek. You. He speaks to her personally in these two huge crowds. He identifies the one person probably with the deepest pain. If we take a step back for a second and just look at that picture, it reveals to us who Jesus is. He is a compassionate Lord. He is a Lord that walks to your pain. He's not a Lord that walks away from your pain. He is a Lord that in a big crowd of people can pick you off and say, that person needs help now. 
And that's exactly what he did on that day. And we will see the same Lord is not only a compassionate Lord, but if you recall the story of Saturday of Lazarus, he is a Lord that cries with us. Did he not shed a tear when they told him his friend Lazarus was dead? What did he do? Edakrise o Jesus, the shortest verse in the New Testament. Jesus teared. He's a Lord, as the gospel evangelist tells us, who's compassionate, who meets us where our deepest pains are, and who cries with us. Think about another aspect, social media. You know that I love beating up social media. All of us post. How many of us post, last night I got into a horrible fight with my husband. Our marriage is on the brink of breaking up. How many of us will post, I'm dealing with substance abuse with my kids. Can anyone help me? How many of us post, I have a very deep depression. I am absolutely terrified to walk out of my door. And don't think they're not people like that. A number of them come and see me, terrified to walk out of their door. Anyone posting on that? No. You know what we post? All the facades. And behind those facades, my beloved friends, is a lot of hidden stuff. The good news is, though, that Christ sees behind the facade. Christ sees the souls, even those who are home, even those who are here today, that have those depressions and those fears in their hearts. He sees that. He shows compassion to you. He meets you where your deepest pain is, and he sits and cries with you. This is the Lord we believe in. And was it not the case that there was no way on the face of the earth that death could defeat life. And so when people say to me, Father, I'm scared to die, which is a natural for all of us at some point in our life, we're scared. The fact remains we're all dying every second we're living. It's just another step closer to the inevitable. The question we should ask is, do we die the way we lived? What do I mean by that? We actually die the way we lived. If we lived far from Christ, we're going to die far from Christ. And if our lives have been mingled day in and day out with the most beautiful person to ever walk the earth, then we're going to die with that feeling. That's why St. Paul says, for me to die is gain. Because I'm going to be with the Lord. What greater thing could there be than being with the Lord? This is the promise that Jesus said. Those who believe in me, though they die, will live forever. And he says to Martha and Mary, do you believe this? My friends, that's a question all of us have to answer. Do you actually believe in Christ? And do you actually believe that death is no part of God's plan? He didn't create us to die. He created us to live forever.
Let me leave you with this last image. Imagine like a, a train ride. I've, it's actually happened to me. I've been on a train and I look over and I see a little kid. And I'm saying, whose kid is riding this train? For those of us who have experience in Manhattan, we would see little kids with little backpacks walk out, going onto the subway, 15 stops later, you know, whatever the case. But you see a kid on a train and it makes you think, how come he's not scared or she's not scared to ride the train? You know why? Because at the last stop, I asked one of the kids, I said, aren't you scared riding the train by yourself? He goes, no, my dad's waiting for me at the last stop. When I get off, he's going to be there to get me. Very wise child. We ride the train of our lives terrified. Don't be scared. The Lord said it 365 times in the New Testament. Do not be afraid. He said it 365 times. One for each day. When you wake up in the morning, just say, do not be afraid. He says, don't cry. He says, I am the life. He says, you will see me at the end of the train. I'm going to be there to open the door. She agrees. <laughs> From the mouth of babes. So forgive me if what I said today is a little heavy staff. But as I've said many times, my role here is not to pat you all on the back. Because we're not as spectacular as we think we are, right? And my work is to help mature you in your faith in Christ, not to remain little babies immature. We are all moving towards that direction. We're all going to ride the train. And it's our hope and prayer that you have matured and that you have grown in your faith so when the door opens, our Lord will greet you. And how will he greet you? What was the greeting of the Lord after his resurrection? Peace be with you. is like a little Christos Anesti. If you want, try it. Don't say anymore, Yasas. Yasu. Don't say Kalimera. Just try it for a week and say, because the, it points you to the joy of the Lord speaking to you. Be joyful because I conquered the world, said the Lord. God bless all of us.